Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today we are bringing you our first initial Dynasty Rookie Rankings for 2022. Let's go! Jordan, open! Chicago with the lead! talking about practice. LeBron James with no regard for human life. And he's going to go. Back out to Allen. History quarter. G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys NBA and on Instagram at Ball Boys Fantasy Basketball. Joined, as always, by the Callum Mack Fantasy Guru. Finally get to talk a bit more fantasy this time of year, Cal. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. I'm a bit overdue. Uh, it's good to get into it. Um, talking rookies is interesting as well. So, yeah, yeah let's, let's wrap it up. We will, I will preface this that this is our, we, we are literally recording. You can kind of see in the background the second round of the draft is still happening. So, <laughs> this is a very fresh take. Uh, these rankings, I will say, are definitely not set in stone, but uh, we've obviously been keeping an eye and, and thinking about fantasy the whole time when considering this draft. And now that we know where some rookies have landed, this is our first initial Dynasty rookings, Rookie Rankings. We won't go all the way 30 team deep or anything like that, but we'll start with the top 15 players. Now, I will say that this is my Rookie Rankings. Um, Callum, might, you might have something a little bit different, but we'll talk through these rankings first. And we've broken them up into a few different tiers, um, but let us know in the comments what you guys think and what pick you have in your upcoming Dynasty rookie draft. I know I've got a couple of high picks in this draft uh, at a, in a few different leagues, so interesting to see uh, who comes to me. So at, let's get started straight into it. Tier one, I've got one player. Um, it's the man, the myth, the legend, <laughs> Chet Holmgren, the best player in the NBA. Now that he's in, now that he's there, uh, <laughs> says so the man himself. But Chet Holmgren is my number one and only tier one player. Do you agree with me, Cal? Um, fr- from a fantasy perspective, uh, I do think he, he would be in a tier as, of his own. Okay. Um, and, and that's just because, look, what he could bring with the blocks defensively, yes. in addition to hitting the threes. Um, you know, let, let's say I can see this man putting up two blocks a game and, you know, close to one and a half threes. Yeah, I could definitely um, easily that, see that. In addition to the field goal, the rim running, I think will be really good as well. The points may never get up there and skyrocket like some of the other players in this draft, but I think what every everything else he brings to the table will be a huge positive. Yeah, I, I can easily see, like if we just go through his per 36 numbers in college, um, we'll just run through 19 points per game, 13 rebounds, two and a half assists, nearly five blocks per game, a steal, and obviously he was a proficient three-point shooter shooting uh, close to 
So he's someone, and, and the field goal percentage was absolutely legendary as well. So someone who's going to have really no weaknesses in his game, yet his scoring may not be 25 points per game, but I still think he's going to be like that 18, 19, 20 points per game scorer once he gets acclimated. Um, he does have a bit of an offensive upside that we I don't think we've seen just yet. Um, and maybe he's not a prolific steals guy. I think that might be one of the categories that he doesn't provide much value in. But everywhere else, I think he's going to contribute. And obviously, you said blocks, field goal percentage are going to be the big ones. And rebounds. This guy can rebound really, really well. Um, so he's definitely someone who we think about those uh, like an Evan Mobley, Anthony Davis, Carl uh, Anthony Towns. These, these big guys that can hit their free throws, the block shots. Um, some of them hit threes as well. They're definitely super-duper valuable in fantasy, and he kind of fits that mold to a T. Would- yeah. The, the one concern, you know, is the health, which we've said. And with OKC taking him, they will obviously be very, very cautious if anything does happen, I yeah. think, as well. So maybe that's something to keep in mind. Um, but in terms of fit and build, you know, your punt steals, um, I think he'd be a great fit. Uh, your punt points punt would points. probably be the next best thing. But otherwise, he's just great all, all over. Yeah, yeah. I think he could fit into... I don't necessarily think he's someone that you worry too much about build. I would be happy to draft him at number one regardless. Figure the rest out later. Um, do you think that he is like... Uh, if we're sliding over to other rookies... Or, sorry, not other rookies. Other younger players. Like, would you... Do you think he's got a higher upside than someone like a, an Evan Mobley in fantasy? Um, I personally w- would keep Evan Mobley. Um, I, I just think longevity and, and yeah. stuff like that in a true dynasty league would be great. Um, but Chet probably has a higher ceiling. I would agree. I'll admit that. Yeah. I think Chet does have a higher ceiling. Just just the mix of the blocks and, and the threes and, and the rebounds are huge as well. I think while it's only probably a little bit, I, I think he probably would just have, uh, you know, just, just above a Mobley. I, I think that it's it's something that... Yeah, it's definitely... I think it's very close, to be honest. I think Mobley, we've seen it. We know that he is going to be good. Um, so that kind of maybe just pushes him ahead of um, Chet for me. There's obviously still question marks. We haven't seen him do it in the NBA. But if you're just taking their stat sets, I do agree with you that Chet has the highest ceiling. And if and if things work out, that he can definitely be... He, he could potentially be a top five player in, in fantasy basketball. He could be a number one player in fantasy basketball, really, if, if everything clicks. Um, but there are those con- concerns. Obviously, you know, the, the, the size of his body and, and, you know, the frailty of his frame and um, whether or not he's that's going to lend itself to injuries. He obviously doesn't have an injury history, which I think is actually a really good sign. Um, so I'm not going to put the injury-prone label tag on him. I, I think you, until you demonstrate that, I'm not really too concerned. But... Obviously, uh, you have to earn your minutes. But I think he's in a good spot to do that in OKC. I think that they believe in him. They were going to take him number one regardless. So I think he's going to get some solid minutes right out of the bat. And, and I think he's going to be a great permanent producer regardless. So he's number one and in tier one on his own. Tier number two, we're going to talk about two other guys. Again, pretty obvious. And I think this is where the draft is really, really strong. I'm very confident in all these three players Tier two, I've got Jabari Smith Jr. at number two, and then Paolo Boncaro at number three. So, do you have them in that order? Would you take, um, I know you're a big Jabari guy, but in fantasy, do you take him second over Paolo, or, or do you go Paolo instead of Jabari? Um, that's a good question. That's a good question. I think you could go either way. Um, I think I think Paolo will get more points. Um 
he'll obviously get less threes. Um, so that's something to consider. I think Jabari will have similar, you know, kind of like a one steal, one block stat rate like he did yes, in I college. Agree. And I think that that will be better than power, especially on the blocking end. Maybe the steals would be similar. Yep. Um, the rebounds, I think, will be pretty close. Pretty even, I think, yeah. Um, it's really just the points. I think probably Paolo has the upside. So maybe I would, the, the more I, I dive into maybe it, I probably in would uh, go towards a Jabari Smith here. Yeah. I, th- I think it's a close um, thing, and I, I would. this is where I would go team Bill to kind of split the tie. Um, so maybe if you're a team that you're... I think field goal percentage might also be in Palo's favor as well. So if you're a bit more of a big man-focused team, you, you're punting threes, uh, free throw percentage, then Palo might be your guy. If you, um, you know, maybe care a bit more about, you know, you want your threes, you want your steals... Um, I actually think I actually think Jabari's points, like if we go to their college stats, he actually averaged more points per thirty six minutes than uh, than Paolo. Obviously, Paolo played on a Duke team that had a lot of talent on there, so you do have to take that into consideration. But I think that they, I think that they both have a chance to be twenty five point per game scorers in the NBA. Now, I think Jabari has to compete with Jalen Green, who's going to be a big usage guy. Paolo doesn't really have anyone like that on his team, so I would favor him. But I don't think it's going to be a huge difference if I was to say. I think the biggest thing for, in Paolo's favor would be the field goal percentage and the assists would be the two things that I think that he's going to clearly have over Jabari. Um, whereas Jabari is clearly going to have the threes and I think he's going to be better with steals as well um, than Apollo. So those are kind of the two differences. But I definitely think that regardless, these are going to be the top three players taken in your rookie, rookie drafts. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I definitely agree about, yeah, the assists would be on Paolo's advantage. And I think the upside of him being that number one option um, probably should actually persuade me. You'd probably do just take him just above Jabari personally. But, um, you know, the counting stats on blocks and steals can be quite useful, which yeah. is Jabari's strength as well. Yeah, I have these two very, very close. So I've got I've got Jabari up there because, again, I'm just a bigger believer in him. I had him higher on my rookie rankings. Sorry, my my big board. So I just, I believe in Jabari a little bit more. I think you do too as well. So in terms of him just working out in the NBA, I've got a higher level degree of confidence there. Um, in Houston, I think he's in a good spot, but I think you, this is where I would say, if you prefer another guy, go with your gut there and, and take that man. I think, I think um, especially if, and if you have a top three pick, do not trade this pick because I think these three guys, because we often see rookies, the, the, the bigger guys, they they hit a little bit more consistently than the guards and things like that. We saw like Suggs um, and Green go to that slower start last year, um, whereas in Evan Mobley sort of, and especially in the past, it has worked out that way. Anthony Davis is a good example of years gone past where they just have more success in fantasy because of the, the good field goal percentage. They have less of a burden early on in their career. So um, I, I think that this is a really good starting three for, for Dynasty Leagues, and I would be valuing them quite highly. Um, so this is where we get to tier number three, and this is where I've, I've got three more players in this tier. I maybe could have had a fourth player, but we'll talk about him in tier four. I've got three guys, Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray, and Jalen Duran in this tier. Um, I think they've all landed in decent spots. Jaden Ivey is my top guy here. He may not have the best translation when it comes to his stats, but I think he's in a really good spot where he's going to maybe potentially start from day one. Um, he He's someone that I'm interested in how he develops from an assist point of view and if he can generate enough steals to keep his value up, but I think he's going to be a great scorer. Um, the threes will definitely be there. 
Um, and, and the assists will be there to a certain degree. It's just how high they do go with a team with Cade on there. What, what are your thoughts on Jaden Ivey from a fantasy perspective? Um, I do have some concerns. The assists, especially since now that we know um, he will lock into that kind of combo guard, you got Cade running, I think, most of the show, and then he'll probably work a bit more off him. Um, so that is a little bit of concern with the with the assists. Um, I guess you could say, you know, the turnovers may stay reasonable um, with that respect, but the assists are always so valuable um, in, in your fantasy. So that, that's one negative. The points you really are hoping uh, do kind of go up there. I think Cade is to some degree, I mean, he can do it all. I think yeah. obviously his ceiling's awesome, but he does obviously like to find guys. And I think um, Jaden Ivey, if he puts his kind of scoring hat on, could be someone that, you know, gets over 20 points in the, in the next few years. Um, so if, if that's what you have to, I think that's pretty reasonable. You're hoping he can become a pretty reliable three-point shooter and average kind of one and a half threes to two. I think it'd be pretty pretty reasonable as well. Um, but, I mean, look, this tier is a bit tricky. You could it even is. Throw it's a, a big drop-off. There is, and, and you could even throw a few of um, some other guys in this tier as well. It, it, just because there's a bit more question marks of how it's all going to end up. Yeah, I think, I think these three guys, I have a very... I'm pretty sold on their job security and their like their early minutes their early access to minutes in the NBA which I think is a big thing when you when you're talking about dynasty rookie rankings if someone's going to be buried in the in the lineups it's a bit harder to see how their career is going to go um, so I think most of these guys um, are going to get access to a lot of early minutes would you agree with that um, look Ivy and Duran 100% um, Murray um, I'm not too sure if he will start. I guess they draft him, assuming they will. But he should get reasonable minutes. Like you got what, Harrison so. Barnes. Yeah. So um, what would their what would their starting lineup be? You'd have Fox. You got Fox is, and Sabonis. Harrison Barnes are uh, pretty much three locks. That's right? that's a lock, right? So is if Barnes plays at the three, you could play Murray at the four. You could, and you have him as that help defender for Sabonis. So maybe there is a world where that happens. Maybe you have Davio Mitchell as your starting two, or one of those wings they picked up from Indiana. Yep. Um, I'm trying to think, who, who was their starting forward? I think Barnes, start, Barnes started a lot at the four last year, um, from memory. Or, yeah, I, th- I think Barnes was playing primarily power forward, but you definitely could switch, you know, you could have him and Keegan Murray as your sort of starting wings. Uh, I just don't necessarily think that that's, that's uh, too bad at all. Mm. Um, so, uh, they got Di Vincenzo as well, who right. is probably more a bench guy to come with the bench. So maybe, look, if he slots into that, that four I think, position, which I think he will. Like Rashawn Holmes will be on the move and he moved into a bench role as well. He was coming off the bench, yeah. Exactly. You had Justin Holiday. Justin Holiday was starting, I think, at the yeah, three. Yeah. I, um, I so, think so Murray kind of, maybe might not start out of the gate, but I would expect by um, you know, all star break or or post all star break that Murray should be in the starting lineup or at least getting starters minutes, basically. Yeah. Because I think that he is someone that they've obviously taken a, a older guy. They're trying to make these playoffs, so they're, they're picking someone that um, wants to contribute right away. So uh, I'm, that's my expectation. Jalen Duran, do you think he gets the starting nod over someone like an Isaiah Stewart game one or by the end of his rookie season? Um, I don't think it will be by day one. I think it will probably be towards the end of this season. He still is really young and raw, and Detroit aren't going to rush anything. They probably even, you know, let's say, Maybe they, they've decided Stuart isn't their center of the future. They'd still probably want to showcase him and potentially make a move and give that starting role to Duran in the future. Um, yeah, they're in no rush at all. So I think that that could end up being more of a bench role, even for the first season, um, to be honest. 
Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. I think of this group here, I would say that, to be honest, Keegan Murray honestly has the highest upside. If you look at his stat sets, they translate beautifully over into fantasy. Um, I don't think he's going to get the same offensive responsibility on this team. So take some of these stats with a, with a grain of salt. But 26.5 points, 10 rebounds. Assist is a big hole for him, so 1.7 assists. But 2.2 blocks, 1.5 steals, and he can hit threes. Um, and his efficiency isn't too bad either. So I think he's someone outside of the assist. He's going to contribute in a lot of areas. Um, and that's obviously really, really valuable in fantasy, especially your, your roto leagues. But um, good um, person on the defensive, the stocks side of things. So in terms of upside from a statistical point of view, he might have a higher ceiling than a Jaden Ivey, but I'm just more confident Ivey being a better NBA player and asserting himself early on than Keegan Murray. And the Kings factor, I don't know. There's there's a there's always a, a little bit of doubt in me drafting someone for the Kings. I don't know. It's just a bit of a circus over there, but I, I could easily see myself switching Murray ahead of Jaden Ivey. Um in, in a dynasty rookie rankings, but at this stage, this is where they'll fall. Anyone that you want to throw into this tier, Cal, that you you might think that we've um we've maybe not given enough credit for? Um, out of all of them, in terms of upside, I think there could be an argument, maybe for Shaden Sharp, but just yeah. the fact he went to the Blazers, that's is that's probably my a thing. tough hit for his yeah. fantasy stock, right? So that that's probably one of the tougher um, options. You could may, maybe even say Mark Williams with the blocks could be really useful. I think it's true come to this league. And if he just kind of locks into a starting role there, um, they're even talking about him moving to spread the court and hit some threes. That could end up being a pretty good pick. If you do believe in him, um, I think he does have a pretty good um, forecast to, to minutes with that team. Yep. Yeah, um, I would, I would agree with that. He's got a very similar, um, uh, sort of statistical profile that uh, Jalen Duran does. Um, I just think that Duran's just a better player, in my opinion. So yeah, I, in I, terms of fantasy output, you'd probably compare him to a probably a Robert Williams, who did finish the season um, oh, Robert Williams four, in the forties for for fantasy, um, and that's with your two point two blocks, a steal, and then just you know kind of ten points, ten rebounds with. Really, really good field goal. I, I kind of see that's where Duran's heading. Just like a rim runner, great field goal with um some blocks and steal. Just that probably not two point two blocks. I don't see it quite quite that high, but still kind of that similar um kind of output. I mean, maybe he's got the the highest standing reach in the NBA. So I don't know. I think he could be up there depending on the minutes and then how many minutes he gets. Um, it will be interesting to to track these guys over the preseason. Summer league is always a time to get everyone really hyped on players and um, and just see what the the sort of the word is out of these teams and and where they expect them to be in their rookie season. Let's go on to the next tier, tier four. We've got a few of those names that you did mention at the top of this tier. However, I do have Tari Eason. Um, who, if you just look at the numbers, this man's numbers are absolutely crazy. And the reason he's this high is he landed in a really good spot at Houston. Um, so someone who I can definitely see getting minutes early, maybe not starting. There are a few other young players, um, you know, like he KJ Martins or your, um, a few other guys there that I'm 
blanking right now. Um, but I do think that if he ever does get, you know, 25-plus minutes per night, he can be someone who can put up a lot of fantasy stats. Let me read out to you these per 36 numbers here, Cal, um, as I just locate them really quickly. Yes, so 25 points, uh, 10 rebounds, essentially, 1.5 assists, 1.6 blocks, and 2.9 steals. So an elite steals um, guy, and also really good on the blocks as well. Very similar to, like, a Keegan Murray kind of type with maybe even a little bit more steel upside, um, but obviously a little bit less assured of minutes. So he's a tier below someone like a Keegan Murray, but someone who I'm a believer in. I think he's actually um, one of the better guys. I had him as a top sort of 12 prospect in this draft. And on a Houston Rockets team, I think that if he has the ability to get minutes um, is someone who you should be looking out for. Definitely keep your eye on in the preseason summer league. If he's going to get access to minutes, he's someone I would, I could even see joining that tier above. Um, but to join him in this tier, Dyson Daniels, Shaden Sharp, who you mentioned before, Mark Williams, who you also mentioned, and Jeremy Sohan. Um, your thoughts on these players here, Cal, uh, specifically Tyree Eason, who we just spoke about in detail. Yeah, so Tyree Eason, um, I do think there's a pretty good green light for him to get into that starting um, lineup um, this season, as early as this season. Uh, he's a bit older being 21. The Rockets aren't going anywhere. They're going to go this youth I'm looking at their roster, and in terms of their forwards lineup, it's it's pretty bad. I mean, if you're assuming Jalen Green plays the two um, and Kevin Porter plays the one, yeah, I mean, like, look, Christian Wood's out of there. Um, Shangun, who came off the bench last season, you'd imagine he picks up some of those minutes. It's probably the center, um, right? We had players like an Eric Gordon who's been on the trade market for a while now. He should be out of the roster pretty soon. And outside of that, it's really just Josh Christopher. Kenyon Martin and Jay Sean Tate. Tate was the guy I, mean, I was thinking of, yeah. Tate is probably the one guy's showing the best signs. Um, Kenyon Martin's just an athletic big. I, I think he can really just steal the limelight from, you know, a couple of those guys and, and definitely demand some minutes. Even though it may not be straight away, I think towards the end of the season, when because this team obviously won't be going um, competing for a playoff position, I can totally see them just kind of locking in him with about 30 minutes per game. So there's an argument there that it could even be more valuable than Murray from a drafting standpoint. Yeah, I definitely see. I can definitely see him. uh, If you're just translating, if every one of these guys got 36 minutes a night, he might be number two or three. Like he is honestly that good from a fantasy statistical point of view. But you have to obviously balance that out with how many minutes he's going to get in his NBA career and sort of what's what's going to be happening. Less certainty with him compared to some of these other guys. the number eight, Dyson Daniels. Now, I don't know really where to put him. I'm a big believer in Dyson Daniels. I, I think he's a good player. Steals, assists, and good rebounds from a guard is what he's going to hang his hat on. Um, so I think that he's definitely probably the best quote-unquote guard stats kind of guy that you're looking for in this draft, if that's kind of what you're after. Um, he's... <laughs> New Orleans is tough. They're, they're deep at a lot of different positions, um, but I think they do need what he brings. So I, I can see him playing maybe like a low 20s in minutes early in his career, but maybe not a starter for a, for a year or two. Um, but he's young. He's younger than a few of these other guys, 19 years old. So you're going to have him for a long time. He's someone that maybe I could see moving down in this list, but definitely needs to be among the conversation just because of those assists and steals. And the assists, especially in this draft, in this rookie draft, it's really hard to find. Um, There's not many guys giving you lots of assists in this draft, so that's why he's kind of a little bit higher than maybe if you just look at his raw stats. What what are your thoughts on Dyson? I'm concerned about the minutes, especially straight away, and and even their core right now is really young. 
Um, outside, I guess, of CJ, he's like the one vet, old veteran, but he, he'll be there for a while. Uh, I think he's a good fit with Zion. Um, you even have the whole point guard Zion situation to worry about in terms of eating his numbers up. Brandon Ingram, they they run a lot of plays through. So in terms of um, his absolute ceiling, um, if, if all works best, let's say in three or four years, and he's worked out to be that number three option um, offensively, I'm just... He's not going to be a guy that gets you 20 points a game. Let's put that up. No, no, it'll be like you're hoping for, let's say, an output of like, say, 15 points and maybe six assists, um, I think is probably what he would do. And that's just because of the team and the fit with Zion running a lot of plays through him. I don't think anyone really on that team can get a huge amount of assists um, for that reason, especially with, once again, with CJ as well. He, like, they've got some guys there that really do demand the ball. So that, that makes me a little bit more hesitant, but. As you touched on, the, the assists and the steals will be his drawing card. Um, kind of like a punt points guy is yep. probably a, a good fit for him. You, you're hoping he works in that three-point and becomes knocked down on that respect as well. And similar to like what Alonzo Ball did. Absolutely. Um, I was just thinking about to say, career. yeah, he's, he's statistical. We've compared it to Alonzo Ball aesthetically. Um, he's six foot seven and a half guard. He's very similar statistically as well. Maybe not quite the shooter that Lonzo is right now, but we know that New Orleans has good, done a good job at developing this on guys in the past. So very similar statistical profile in terms of a good rebounder for the guards, a good assist guy. He can maybe even get close to a block per game um, and, and definitely more than a sort of like a steal and a half is what I sort of project to him. If he can get into those minutes, it is those minutes that are the question mark. But like you said, I think the guards, particularly on this roster, are the guys that are on sort of the way out. Devontae Graham, CJ McCollum, they're not really the future of this team. So obviously CJ's there right now, but I think you that... about Jose Alvarado. Oh, yeah. Okay. Steel, steel man himself. <laughs> well, he, he'll be there, but he's not, he's not threatening the starting lineup anytime soon, I wouldn't have thought. But I do think that he definitely has at least... Um, yeah, early on, sixth man, sort of uh, low twenties in minutes, I think is definitely something I can see. Um, I, I think that Devonte Graham might not even be in this roster um, next season. There's definitely a lot of talk about him moving on. Um, it's just about how long CJ's there. Are they going to continue to play Herb Jones at the two? What Zion doing? Because that kind of shifts everyone up and down. Um, th- there are still a few question marks in New Orleans. Um, let's mm. talk about your boy. We touched on him earlier, Shaden Sharp. He's a hard one, man. (laughs) He could move up. There are some red flags statistically for him. Um, He's not really a steals and blocks guy at this stage based on the the stats that I've seen. I've seen he's also, in again, very small sample size, but not the best free throw shooter. I don't know if he's going to be a huge rebounds assist guy. So statistically, there's there's a few... (laughs) There's a few red flags, but you're kind of betting on the pedigree and the talents that that kind of stuff just all happens. Um, it, we, we project him to be a good scorer. Um, and on the Blazers as well, Dame's obviously still there. Um, you know, it, with the trade for Jeremy Grant, it sounds like they're kind of, they are trying to push to make the playoffs. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough, if maybe if he landed on, on a Detroit or a Houston, I'd be more optimistic but the landing spot kind of brings him down a little bit for me. So what are your thoughts on, on Sharp? Yeah, well, especially for the first season, I'm, I'm not too sure what he's going to bring to the table. Just, just I think they've got a lot of vets there who know how to play together. Um, Dame Lillard and Simmons, they've been around for three years kind of playing together. Josh Hart is a good vet in that forward kind of position yeah. as well. Um, they brought in Justice Winslow. We'll see how that kind of works out. Jeremy so maybe Grant. there could be some minutes there. 
Uh, but yeah, you got Jeremy Grant as well to worry about. So I just, the minutes, I'm not too sure where it's going to come from, especially for a team that should be competing for a playoff position. So assuming he really comes off the bench for at least the first year, um, your fantasy output shouldn't be um, that amazing. But he's a guy that's a, definitely got a big ceiling. So if you've got yeah. time to wait, say three or four seasons, uh, which is hard to say in fantasy, like you obviously get over players pretty quickly. Yeah, <laughs> I do yeah. see the upside there and I just wouldn't be straight away, unfortunately. So he's a, he's a guy that may very well end up being um, on your dynasty league kind of um, as, as a cut, maybe towards the end of the season, someone's given up on him. Depending so if you like him and, and you yeah. think he's more of a long, long-term long prospect, um, as do I, especially with this roster, um, then I think he's worth picking up. Yeah, I think, I think if you're in like a shallower league, he's someone that you can take the swing on um, because these guys, you know, your rookies... If it doesn't work, you can kind of just drop them. But in a deeper league, it's a little bit more hesitant. Like if you're in a 30-team deep league, it's it's pretty... I, w- I don't want to say boom or bust because I, I do believe in him. I think he's... I had him the fifth-ranked player in my, my big board. So um, you're getting a call there, Cal. <laughs> That's all right. Um, but I think, yeah, it's someone who I'd be hesitant to draft super early just because on top of the fact that we haven't seen him play at any good level, there are statistical red flags um, in terms of some things that he lacks and and does scream to me like a better real-life player than a fantasy player early on. But again, we don't know much about him, so he he is a very hard person to rank at this stage. It'll be interesting to watch him in Summer League in preseason and what they have to say about him. Um, These last two guys, let's go through them a little bit quicker. Mark Williams and Jeremy Sohan. We touched on Mark Williams before. Very Duran-esque, I think just with maybe a slightly lower ceiling, but his stats translate really, really well. He's landed in a perfect spot over in Charlotte. So he's someone, maybe if you want something a bit more certain, then like a Dyson Daniels and a Sharp or an Eason. He could be ahead of any of those guys if you want something a bit more guaranteed. I think he's going to get good minutes very early on in his career. I can definitely see him starting by the end of his rookie year. And blocks, rebounds, field goal percentage, all those good big man stats. Not going to do anything super special, but he definitely is someone who's going to be a very solid fantasy contributor for a good while. Yep. Um, Mark Williams, he could be a guy that really... um does get to some higher tiers if those blocks do come through. He averaged 2.8 in college, had one of the biggest standing reaches on record. I believe it was the second in draft combine history. Second in history, biggest right now in the NBA. Yeah, so so that's that's awesome. He's athletic enough to move pretty well. Um, and in terms of that Charlotte roster, um, they always say that center spot is a bit of a hole. Um, I mean, you've got guys like a Trez Harrell and Mason Plumley who probably got most of the minutes towards the end of the season. Those guys aren't that great. Um, they do have a bit of an investment in Kai Jones and JT Thor from last season. Yeah. So maybe you have a bit of a worry there. But I, I think... I think this, he's going to move ahead of those guys. Him, yeah, I prefer yeah. him over both those two guys personally. Me too. Um, so I think there is definitely a, a passage for him to get some pretty good minutes and have some good fantasy output with the field goal and blocks. Yeah, I, I think he's of this tier, one of the safer bets to be a, a very solid fantasy contributor for a good while. Um, lastly, I want to touch on Jeremy Sohan. Obviously, drafted by the Spurs, so Spurs are notorious for taking their time with prospects, so maybe not a whole lot of production early on, so definitely maybe more of a wait and see, but his per 36 numbers are really, really nice. Um, so someone who put up, if I just pull it up for me right here... 
Oh, where was it? Yeah, so not not going to blow you away in the scoring department, but nine rebounds, two and a half assists, a block, uh, nearly two steals per game. He's young. He's someone who, obviously, the defense is his calling card. So if you're in a punt point situation, if you're you know not too worried about um, getting a lot of threes, but you want those steals, you want those blocks, rebounds, and I think he's going to be a decent passer as well. So maybe a trickle of assists there. He's someone who definitely can have a decent impact on a Spurs organization who's good at developing their talent. So um, he sneaks in at the bottom of this tier. What are your thoughts on Sohan from a fantasy point of view, Carl? Um, I probably wouldn't have him this high. Um, I probably yeah. have him in the next tier. Just just the scoring output can be, unless you're punting points, um, he really can hurt you. I don't see him being a scorer. And if you would compare him, maybe you've got someone like a Matisse Thibault who... You know, put up 1.7 steals and 1.1 blocks um, and low turnovers. So that's kind of like what he was outputting to, that made him um, about 150 value because everything else is pretty pathetic. Um, I can see him having slightly similar stats. He'll have more rebounds. He may have more turnovers. Um, uh, yeah, it, I think you're still a little bit short there. I, like, I If you picture someone like uh, Herb Jones from last year, very similar comp in my opinion statistically, maybe even better rebounder. Um, but Herb Jones was somewhat useful in fantasy leagues last year, and he's a lot younger than than Herb Jones was when he was drafted. Um, you know, this Spurs team, they don't have a whole lot of talent on this this roster, so I think he does have a lot of access to minutes early. Um, we'll see how long... You know, they aren't notoriously slow at getting their guys uh, caught up to speed, but if, if it happens after year one, I think you can definitely see a good contributor in the NBA, but... But we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I know you, you prefer your guys to score a few more points than, than a player like Sohan does. <laughs> but I'm telling you, man, punt points, it's, it's, a, it's a good strategy. You know, and I want to I wanna continue to explore it as something that we should uh, maybe give a bit more credit to in the future. Uh, let's move on to our final tier that we'll talk about today. Maybe some of these players you might have expected to be a bit higher, but I'm not as confident in this fantasy ability as I am in their NBA real-life ability. So, Tier 5 got four players at this stage. Johnny Davis, Jake LaRavia, who comes up a little bit, um, maybe the opposite. Um, Benedict Matherin at 14, and Usman Diang at 15. Uh, who jumps out at you here in this tier, Cal? I'll say one guy that could jump up even like a couple tiers, potentially, is Johnny Davis, if Bradley Beal doesn't come back to yeah, the Wizards. That is uh, a I think big, that's something that to is consider. a big swinging. Yeah, that is uh, um, an unknown at this stage. It, it is an unknown. And and you have, uh, apparently they've been calling people up about, you know, Kuzma and there's a bit, a lot of trade talk going out there. Um, but at the end of the day, he really does kind of play the two. That's where Bradley Beal is. So right now it's not going to be ideal. He can probably play a bit of the three as well, but they are pretty deep with the forward lineup with their Corey Kispert. They got last year, Abdia, Rui Hachimura and, and Kyle Kuzma. It's, Unfortunately, pretty deep. That's going to be hard for him to, to work and get those minutes. Um, so, look, I, I'm a big fan of Johnny Davis. I do like his game. Um, for that reason, it might be a bit challenging to draft him um, super early, but I do think he can have good output in terms of points. Um, he can get some steals, I think, as well, like rebounds, assists. He'll, he'll be kind of like a, a, a good kind of shooting guard um, if, if he does get the minutes. I see him as a bit of like a, this is my concern, I see him as a bit of like an RJ Barrett kind of type, you know, a guy who's going to get you a lot of points, but not the best three-point shooter. I don't know if I see the steal. He averaged 1.2 steals per 36 minutes. He he is a good defender, but I, again, like an RJ Barrett, I don't know if he's like that steals 
kind of guy. He averages more blocks. He's probably slightly better from a fantasy point of view as an RJ Barrett, but but kind of similar ilk as him. Um, I don't know if he's going to be that like high point scorer in the NBA. I mean, like you said, if Bradley Beal does go and they go into a bit more of a rebuilding mode, then yes, his value is probably going to go up because he can have more opportunity to have the ball in his hands because I think that's what he needs. Um, I don't know if he's a big assist guy and his threes and percentages are not not the greatest. Um, so that's why he's a bit lower in this tier. But like you said, I, I do agree that he could potentially move up depending on a number of factors um, with this team. Um, yeah, the Wizards have a weird roster, which we yeah. touched on as well. But look, I'm, I'm high on Jane Davis. But yeah, fantasy-wise... Um, I, I can definitely admit that there are some concerns. Um, talking about concerns, we'll get to the number 13 guy in a sec, but Benedict Matherin is someone that you might be surprised to see here at 14. Obviously, he was the sixth pick in the, in the draft. I just don't necessarily see the fantasy translation. He's a scorer. He's a three-point shooter. But outside of that, I don't see a lot of production. Um, you know, six rebounds per 36 in the in the college. Not going to translate that well to the NBA. Um, you know, 0.3 blocks, 1.1 steals. It's all eh, 2.8 assists. If if he can develop into a bit more of a ball handler, maybe those assist numbers can come up, maybe. But I'm just not super... There's nothing about his stat set that really excites me. I think he's just kind of like a... He'll, he'll never have a high ceiling, in my opinion, unless he really becomes a dominant scorer in the NBA, which I don't necessarily see. I see him more as like a good, solid starter who's just kind of going to hover around that 80 to 100 at best uh, in fantasy circles. What, what are your thoughts on Benedict Matherin? Yeah, I tend to agree. He's, he's not going to jump out at you at, um, in the defensive stuff, even though I think he'll be a good defender. Um, he's one of those guys, but that might not translate to fantasy. Um, and then the assist obviously won't really be there. Um, he's, he's more of that wing 3 and D um, kind of guy. One of the positives you could say is, yeah, look, he's going to the paces, so obviously in full rebuild mode, so he should be getting some minutes. I expect them to make some trades. Um, they do have players like a Buddy Heald, uh, Chris Duarte, TJ Warren in terms of who would fit that small forward position currently and, and share that role with. Um, but I, I think there's obviously a pretty pretty good opening for minutes just from the get-go. Um, so that's one positive. But, yeah, overall output in terms of his ceiling, he is a 3 and D guy. And, and sometimes when you don't have the counting stats – um, he's not going to really get blocks, does, not going to get assists. Um, because he shoots a lot of threes, his field goal might be a bit low as well. So, yeah, fantasy output, I, I tend to agree. It might be, at best, maybe that 80 to 100 range. Yeah, yeah, not super exciting for him. Um, let's go on to talk about guys that potentially could be super exciting. I want to touch on Jake LaRavia. Now, in our winners and losers, you weren't too excited about LaRavia being selected um, by the Memphis Grizzlies. I, I'm a bit higher on him than I think you are. I think he's a very good connector type piece. Maybe not quite as good, but similar vein as like a Franz Wagner for Orlando. I can kind of see a little bit of that in in him. Uh, maybe because they're white and they play the, the same position. <laughs> I don't know if that's a bit of bias on my, <laughs> my point of view. But in terms of a fantasy output, this guy, he, he, he's got it. Um, let me throw you some, some per 36 stats if I can find his name in the list here. Um, but while I find that, Cal, what are your, what are your thoughts on um, Jake LaRavia and, and how early do you think that he can get into the lineup over in Memphis? Yeah, that's one of my concerns. Memphis is so deep. They, they really are such a deep roster. Um, so that is one thing that would, um, you know, make me a bit hesitant, I think, to really kind of pick him up. But that being said, his stats were pretty impressive. He, he 
does have the counting stats on the steals and blocks, I think, yep. as well. And Assists being a there. white guy, I mean, white guys can shoot, right? <laughs> I think that's always been proven. Uh, uh, <laughs> Tony Maker can get, a, can get assists. If he gets minutes, and that's the big if, if he can get minutes, I think there is some pretty good fantasy output there. Look, let me just say this. Memphis Grizzlies are not afraid to give their give their young guys minutes. We saw it last year with Zaire Williams. Um, I think he's better than Zaire Williams. I think that if he can, if he had that role, his statistical upside is much higher than a player like that. Um, so, and they've got a few older players, you know, someone like a Steven Adams or, or like these other guys in the forwards and wing positions that are not locked in as their future moving forward. So I, I can see a world where Jake LaRaviar cracks the starting lineup. Um, it may require a bit of patience. But in saying that, if they you know, if they experiment with Zaire Williams um, and after seeing that, I wasn't super impressed. I know some people say that they liked what they saw. I wasn't super impressed by what he did. He kind of just did all right. And, you know, I think he's better suited to a bench role personally. Um, so if they wanted to do a similar sort of things with, with Jake LaRaviar, I think that there is a, a better upside statistically with him um, in terms of those steals, assists, blocks, um, and, and he's a decent uh, percentage guy. He's just got good translations. So, um, And I don't think it's necessarily the worst landing spot um, that he's gone to. Usman Diang is an interesting one. He's here because of the upside and the team that he landed on in OKC. Statistically, um, <laughs> over here in Australia, it's pretty gross. It's pretty... <laughs> It's pretty gross. Um, now, we do need to mention the fact that he was much better the second half of the year. It definitely did improve. And he has flashed upside, but um, the percentages, especially the field goal percentage, was very, very poor. So keep that in mind. He's definitely probably, ideally, you're punting field goal percentage. Although, in saying that, a lot of these guys, they're not going to swing you too much either way. But... You know, he's a big body. He's someone who could potentially get you the steals and blocks if it translates. Decent enough rebounder. His assists don't show it, but he is a good passer. There's just a lot of a lot of potential here without anything, something concrete. And and the fact that he's on OKC is enough for me to push him up to this spot. Yeah, the only reason he's here is because he's with OKC. I think otherwise he'd be like a four-year project on another team. Mm. Um, but with OKC, they'll, they'll throw him some minutes. So it's worthwhile tuning in and seeing how he does kind of go here to get better in the, in the NBL um, league itself. But there are, yeah, there's a lot of concerns there. Um, you're hoping that he does become a player that can get a reasonable amount of points with three-pointers, the odd assists. Um, and he's got the length at 6'10 to get some kind of counting stats on the defensive side as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually more bullish on his defensive potential than I am his offensive upside. I know that there's a lot of comparisons to Paul George and things like that. I don't necessarily see that. I don't see the aggressiveness and the assertiveness from him to, to reach that potential, but I think he actually will be a, a decent guy. But my, my concerns are that he's maybe more of like, a, and a guy I do like, like a Jada McDaniels type where it's always that theoretical. He's a great defender. He could get those steals and blocks, but it just hasn't quite happened yet. Um, I think statistically, Jada McDaniels is probably my my comp for someone like a Diang. And, and if you have been part of that experience, like myself, for the last couple of years, um, you're still waiting for it to really pop <laughs> for a player like that. So, um, but, but the potential is there. And um, maybe he has a slightly higher offensive upside than, than a player like McDaniels. 
Anyone else that you want to throw into the mix here, Cal, that we haven't mentioned today? I'm, I'm looking at players like a Walker Kessler, even like an EJ Liddell, who are great statistically, but I am just concerned about where they fit in their, in their drafted team. Um, anyone else you want to throw into the mix there, Cal? Um, we could say Jalen Williams, yep. um, just purely because he's of OKC. I think, once again, we'll be given some minutes and trialed. Um, so there is some potential. They, they drafted him at 12, so they're obviously showing some kind of confidence and belief yeah. in him. Um, so so that's definitely a good shout-out. Um, and Agbaji going to Cleveland, I think he will earn himself minutes there. And sometimes with these guys, that can just come down to minutes. He's a 3 and D guy. He's not going to um, you know, be outstanding in terms of assists and field goal and stuff like that. But if you need threes and maybe a trickle of, a, of steals, Agbaji in, in a short return, um, if you're kind of a win-now team, could be an option for you. Outside of that, um, I guess of Brennan from San Antonio, I think he should get good minutes there. I like Malachi. He's probably yeah. another guy worth mentioning. That roster at the forward positions isn't great. So if, if you're pretty solid in Brennan, I think you know they picked him at 20. They should... His fantasy stats maybe year. just don't jump off the page is the only concern, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, but I'm just thinking, you know, some of these guys at this, you know, it's minutes and San Antonio can, um, you know, progress their guys pretty well. Um, what, he, what about he, a heat? He could be someone hypothetically that maybe puts up 20 points a game. What about like a heat culture? What about a heat culture guy? Yeah, Nikola Jovic. Um, <laughs> any interest in a player like that? I actually think he's got some upside. I think statistically he could be someone that uh, if he can get the minutes, uh, maybe, maybe he could be, maybe he could be something. He's landed in a great spot because Spo should be able to hide him in defense. He's the he's in my opinion he's the best coach in the league. He's done this with Duncan Robinson. He's done it with other players where he can in the regular season hide some of these guys that are defensively um, obviously not very capable. Um, and and Nikola Jovic, he could be a guy that like can get a trickle of assists with a high volume of threes um, yeah. and points. So Decent rebounder. And with the rebounds as well, I think there is definitely um a, yeah a good shout out to. The heat culture and Nikola Jovic. <laughs> yeah, one, one person I did, uh, yeah, I, I do like to mention him. And uh, maybe the last guy that we'll mention, and, and again, still lots to sort through with, with where these guys fit in. We'll, we'll go through a lot of stuff during summer league and preseason. But another guy that I also like from a statistical point of view is someone like a Dalen Terry uh, on the Chicago Bulls. Again, another tough kind of lineup to, to crack, but someone who you don't count on a lot of scoring, but a, a lot of trickle of other things, assists, steals, blocks, rebounds. Um, and I, I think that that's going to be something that he can easily get. You know, we saw some some young players. Um, who, who was your guy from last year? Uh, crack the lineup for the, the Bulls there last year? I'm blanking. Uh, I had Desunmu. Yeah, Desunmu. So they, 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 they're not afraid to throw their young guys out there. And I think that yeah. Dale and Terry is someone who fits in our roster there where he doesn't need the ball a lot to, to impact uh, fantasy stats. So I think that that's someone who I think will probably be amongst that next kind of tier there. Um, but that's, that's going to do it for us today, guys. Very exciting times. The draft is now done. Time to... Turn our heads towards Summer League. Free agency is just around the corner, and then we can really start this fantasy season underway. Um, If you have any questions or comments, or if you liked the video, hit us with a thumbs up. Make sure uh, you hit us down in the comments below. Let us know what you're picking in your Dynasty League drafts and who you hope to get at that pick, and we will see you guys next time. Laters.